Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hello, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode of Sweet 16 of Flip It or Skip It, we'll be talking about mid-century modern furniture. A good place to start would be to uh, define what mid-century modern furniture is. Because as I look around uh, websites and eBay and places that sell that, there's a lot of confusion about what it is and things are misidentified and, and so on. So to be clear, when we're talking about mid-century modern furniture, we're talking about American furniture that was uh, manufactured and popular after World War II, from about 1945 to about 1965. What we're not talking about is Danish modern furniture. Danish modern is very similar to mid-century modern, but uh, there are subtle differences. If you think about uh, Scandinavia, Denmark, Sweden, places uh, where uh, the style originated, uh, they have very long winters and uh, long nights. So they like their homes to be uh, reflective surfaces, uh, light colors, that kind of thing. So uh, the, the Danish, the Scandinavian uh, wooden furniture is light colored. It's made from uh, teak and, and uh, you know, blonde woods and that sort of thing. Uh, and their upholstered furniture is uh, light colored as well. You won't mm -hmm. see bright colors in Danish modern furniture. What they, what's popular with Danish modern is uh, textures. Mm -hmm. uh, they will mix and match textures. Mid-century modern furniture, American furniture, tends to be uh, a little bit uh, darker, like you'll find walnuts, yeah. rosewoods, that sort of thing in the wooden furniture. And in the upholstered furniture, that's where you'll see the uh, bright colors like red chairs and yellow chairs and, and, and so on. So the American stuff tends to be brighter on the upholstered furniture, and the Danish modern tends to be brighter across the board. That is a good, very good description breakdown. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, and um, I remember, I don't know, some weeks ago, you told a story about an office right. that you had to liquidate. Tell us that story. Sure. Well, I had a client from Gainesville, Florida contact me, and they were actually um, some um, bookkeeping accounting firm for a hospital or doctor's offices, and they were in a bind. They had to be out of their building in two weeks, and they had um, contacted me. I wish they would have given me more time, but they said, we need to do a fire sale. We don't need, we don't know how to go about this, but we have to get everything gone and we don't want to just give it away. So, you know, could you help us? So I brought a girlfriend with me and we went down there. And soon as they opened the back door, 
when I walked in, there was about two inch orange shag carpeting. (laughs) So I knew we were in for a treat Mm -hmm. (laughs) as soon as I saw that carpet. And sure enough, you come into the fancy chrome. There was chrome everywhere. Mm -hmm. When you entered, there was chrome everywhere. And when you turned the corner, there was a boardroom. And their boardroom was a glass top table that had chrome all underneath. Mm -hmm. And each chair was chrome with orange crushed velvet backing on the back of the chairs. And it actually reminded me a lot of the dining room furniture that my parents had. We had Mm -hmm. furniture like that at our house. But theirs was a boardroom. That was their... (laughs) That was their fancy boardroom. And then there were um, miscellaneous chairs throughout the the building that had interesting, I guess I would call it Art Deco, but it was was the fancy pinstriped orange and brown striped um, upholstery. Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Not my thing. The walls even had, I still have one of the frames because there was, it was, it's probably about eight feet long, a -hmm. picture frame that is about 10 inch wide border around it of chrome that it had a very interesting gothic looking photo or print in it. And I sold the print. Mm-hmm. And um, I still have the frame. I haven't done anything with it, but right. um, it's so big and bulky. But anyhow, we had to get rid of all of this stuff. So I went home. I My girlfriend took notes. I, I took photos and measurements, and she wrote everything down as we were going along. I was um, speaking to her, and she would write everything down and then dictating And then I went home and with my notes and I started uploading photos and listing everything on one week auction starting at $9.99 and every piece of furniture. um, It was crazy. It was crazy. And I had, we'll ship anywhere in the world. I did not do local pickup. We'll ship anywhere in the world. Buyer makes arrangement for shipping in the bottom. And then I said, if you do need assistance, I'll be using UShip. Or roadie mm-hmm. and roadie and you ship are my go to for large pieces of furniture or large right. items. Right. So we did it. I pulled it off. I sold everything in a week except for one little love seat. And then mm-hmm. I called the local um, Goodwill and they came and picked it up for them. Right. And it was a blast. I mean, a couple items did sell for like $50, $60. Mm-hmm. But the glass table sold for well over a thousand, and everything um, they sent their own shipper in because they were actually from Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought <laughs> they could have picked it up. Really? <laughs> well, it's still it's probably about six hour drive from Fort Lauderdale. But I thought this furniture is perfect for Fort Lauderdale. I could just see it there. So that would be good. It was a lot of fun. It was such interesting furniture, though, and and there were some very big um, desks that 
were in in each accounting office and the desks were even very interesting. So you started the auctions at $9.99 and some of the items went up to over $1,000. There must have been a lot of bidding activity or was it just one or two people that kept going after each other? Or did you have a lot of bidders for that kind of furniture? We actually had a lot of bidders. They were um, from all over the place. A good, a couple items, uh, they actually bought several of them Mm -hmm. and they went to Ohio, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we worked out a deal on the the company you ship. Mm -hmm. And then another one, another piece of furniture, I believe, went to Tennessee. And again, they were a furniture store. And they were over the moon with with their win, and then I I worked out the details with them. So it's it's not hard. If I could start my eBay life over, I would sell furniture and auto parts. But right. furniture, I love I love the thrill of finding them when I'm treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. Every single treasure hunt I've ever been on with Worth Point, traveling around the country. Mm-hmm. There's always mid-century modern furniture at every flea market. Well, it's really popular. I, looking around online in this this past week, I was surprised at how many brick and mortar stores were specializing in that kind of thing. It's just having grown up with it, mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal to me because I see it all the time. Right. Okay, this is a good place to take a break. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Have you ever bought an item to resell, got it home, and discovered that it wasn't what you thought it was? With WorthPoint's encyclopedia of marks, autographs, patterns, and symbols, you'll always know what you have and what it's worth. Find over 150,000 identifiers updated weekly, covering glass, china, coins, currency, tools, and more. Don't waste your time and money. Use WorthPoint. For a seven-day, seven-look-up-free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we are discussing mid-century modern furniture. There's terrible, terrible fakes coming out from the Kia company, and there's a lot of imitations and wannabe mid-century modern Reproductions of that are now commonplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you can go into new furniture stores, and it'll be right there on the floor. So one of the things it's, it's necessary to do if you're going to be out picking and flipping uh, mid-mod furniture is to make sure that what you're looking at is labeled, because it's hard to tell sometimes uh, what the good stuff is or exactly how old it is because those reproductions have been around for 10 12 years and i think the average time for turning over furniture in a home is about seven years people turn over their furniture about every seven years so you could end up seeing a reproduction of a mid-mod sofa that's only 10 years old 12 Mm -hmm. years old Mm -hmm. and the tendency might be to look up prices and overpay for it so I wouldn't over I would check labels on everything. And if it's not labeled, you have to really trust the seller. You have mm-hmm. to and, and if you're going to keep it for your own use, mm-hmm. 
and not flip it, then you know, take your chances with it. But if you're gonna if you're gonna resell it, it really needs to be labeled. You need to have some provenance for the mm-hmm. for the item. Yes. And I think that what a lot of people don't, you know, they they see it and they know they can make money to flip it, but they're afraid to bring it home or they're afraid to put it on eBay and and take that chance because of the shipping. Right. So there's companies, U-Ship and Rody, Rody R-O-A-D-I-E. And Rody is basically um, uh, an Uber for stuff. Right. So you can, if someone's traveling, I have um, a consignment client that lives in Atlanta and they, she wanted to get some ship, some items shipped to me. So we put it on Rody and then someone was actually traveling from, t- from Orlando to, or excuse me, from Atlanta to Orlando and mm-hmm. Ocala is right on the way. So the the amount of money she made for just putting these few boxes in her car when she's traveling anyways, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it paid for her gas and she made a few bucks for her trip. So sure. roadie is a brilliant, brilliant tool. Right. Now, you ship can be a little challenging because they ask you for the weight and the measurements. And to figure out the weight and the measurements, what I do is I just go to an online furniture store. And I go and look at their stats for (laughs) their weight measurements. And then I, that'll give me an idea of what to use. A lot of the cushions I can remember for when I was at that office complex, there were tags on, on those cushions that could be flipped over and you could view the tags. And that would be quite helpful with the identification. And then when you're listing it, (laughs) You have to include these important words in your title mm-hmm. and a lot. And don't forget the acronym, you know, MCM. Let me give a little plug for, for WorthPoint here. In the WorthPoint menu, when you go to worthpoint.com, there's a section called Dictionary. They have a really extensive section on furniture. And there's a, a young woman who writes for WorthPoint. She's written quite a few articles about mid-century modern furniture. And at the end of each of the articles in the dictionary, they are tagged with a section called uh, Marks, Autographs, Patterns, and Symbols. Uh, maps for short. So when you see it in the, the WorthPoint menu, it's going to say maps. What that section does specifically is uh, display the Makers marks, manufacturers tags, and that sort of thing for particular brands. It will tell you what the mark looks like. So if you go there and look in the dictionary or the uh, the marks database, you can very often find what these look like, especially for the well-known designers. So that's a good good resource to do that. And of course, uh, uh, the difference between something having a tag and something not having a tag. A famous designer with with a tag and a proven manufacturer's mark will be worth 10 times what it would be worth without it. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know when I'm out and about and if I think a chair, I run across a chair, for example, and I think it'll fit in the back of my car, (laughs) um, I may investigate further if the price is right and turn it upside down and I start 
investigating right away for right. labels, tags, you know, any any types of things mm-hmm. that will help, that will help you with looking it up quickly. Well, it is it is hard to identify things because a sofa is a sofa. It's got to be tagged somewhere. Usually the tag will be uh, under the cushion on upholstered furniture or if you flip it over, uh, if it's small enough to flip over, uh, the dust cover on the bottom will sometimes have a tag on it. And for tables, the tag and tables and chairs, the tag is usually under the seat or under the tabletop. But that's where to look for those. And if it doesn't have it, unless I was darn sure the price was really good, I wouldn't buy it because I don't need any more furniture. If I got something like that, I would have one intent and that would be to flip it. But if it doesn't have a tag, I'm going to skip it. So there's a there's a good tip for you when you're out um, hunting because who thinks to look at office chairs when they're in Goodwill? The other thing that um, you can watch for are headboards, bedroom mm-hmm. furniture. But headboards, they kind of get overlooked as well when mm-hmm. you're out and about. And that's also an item that's not too hard to figure out how to you know, list with shipping. But the mid-century headboards are really cool looking with the different designs. Yeah, in my house, we had twin beds because twin beds were in style back then. You know, the uh, Ozzy and Harriet uh, father knows best bedroom, uh, Lucy and Ricky bedroom furniture. But they they had really cool headboards with uh, sliding panels and Mm -hmm. bookshelves. and, And they were just really cool looking. And the attached side table. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The attached side table. Yeah, well, sometimes you can find those on chairs, too. Who needs a coffee table? I mean, it was the 60s. You had to have a place to put your ashtray. That's right. That's right. And, like, I can picture that in the Dick Van Dyke show. That's right. Oh, well, that's a that's a good uh, Dick Van Dyke show. All of that stuff is is mid-mod. There you go. Uh, another, another show that uh, that's good for displaying that kind of thing is Mad Ben. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's everything in Mad Ben from the – uh, the clothing styles to the furniture, it's its all mid-century modern. Great tip, Wayne. So if you want to learn more, and besides the dictionary pages at WorthPoint, and you can get the visual from watching a few episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, sure, sure. Well, it helps to be able to pick it out in a crowd. You know, most folks uh, that go to estate sales and yard sales, that kind of thing, aren't looking for furniture for, right. for just the reason you said it's it's takes a lot of work to to get it moved and if you're going to flip it you, you need to make shipping arrangements or have someone else do it uh, most people walk right by it and those are the things that they shouldn't walk by that's right and in this is episode 16 but also in the the first 15 episodes of flip it or skip it We've often focused on uh, the items that everyone walks by. Right. Uh, you can can look at all of our past episodes, and that's where some of the, the big profit is, is in items where there's a lot of them around and people ignore them. That's right. That's right. And I know it's 
I actually wrote an ebook years ago called Developing an Eye for What to Buy. Right, <laughs> right. I've heard you use that phrase before. But that was when we used to be able to sell ebooks on eBay. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, developing an eye for what to buy and sell on eBay. Right, right. And that's really what it's all about because how many times would you go to a garage sale and, and not pay attention to that end table or that office chair? Right. And now you'll take a second look and have a better idea on how to flip it and right. don't skip it. <laughs> and don't skip it. Yeah. Well, I, what makes the difference for me in this is the, the recommendations you made on shippers. Uh, was it you, you ship and yep. uh, roadie and uh, roadie? Yeah, I've, I, I've never heard of roadie. I've heard of you ship, but uh, roadie, are you an Uber for for stuff? An Uber for stuff. From the small box to the truckload of items I've shipped. I sold a couch for this local lady, and it actually went to the home of Holly Berry, Haley Berry. And I ended up using a company called Craters and Freighters hmm. because I I priced around, and they wanted me to organize the shipping, and I didn't mind, and they weren't too worried about the price. And I used a company called Craters and Freighters, and I believe they're nationwide. You can mm-hmm. double check, but they will come right to the house, white glove, bubble wrap, put everything on crates and load it up and 100% insured. So it was it was a beautiful setup with Craters and Freighters. Right. But now with U-Ship, what I like about them is you would list it. And on their database, you put in your basics, and then people bid on prices. Mm-hmm. So truck drivers, people traveling, they would bid on make offers. Or you could put right. in a straight how much you're willing to pay. I actually had a roll-top desk sent from Ocala, Florida to Denver. And um, I ended up using U-Ship on that as well. And a man was just traveling in his motorhome and wanted to make some extra money, and he had room for it in his motorhome oh, to bring along. Cool. So between Roadie and U-Ship and Craters and Freighters, and you can mm-hmm. always check your local, there are options out there, and it is not difficult. Right. It is not difficult. But if you put local pickup only, you're going to cut yourself short from opportunity of right. more sales. Oh, I agree with that. I've I've run into that problem myself. If you want to think about consignment selling, because there's a lot of people out there with this type of furniture as well, that you could actually, it's not hard to be do consignment work for folks like that. And then, like I said, with I did with the, the great example is with the office complex. And I just went right. and took all the pictures and I didn't bring that home. My husband would kill me if I brought all these <laughs> That's why I can't sell furniture. I don't have a warehouse. If I had a warehouse and I could start over, I would seriously love to sell furniture because mm-hmm. there are such interesting pieces available out there. Right. Okay. So here it is. The clock on the wall says it's time to go. Uh, the end of episode 16. Uh, it's been great. I think we covered some good points. I hope our, our listeners enjoyed it. Uh, Dana, do you have any Closing remarks for us. Thanks to all of our listeners. I just want to quickly thank everybody for the leaving us the reviews on the podcast. 
We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to see all our episodes, you can go to flipitorskipit.com. Okay, Dana, we'll you. see you at when it hits 17. Bye-bye. So long. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.